Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we're FNA Van Life. Today, we are coming at you live from Baja, California, Mexico. Woohoo! We've been having such an amazing time here in Mexico. Border crossing was actually not that tricky compared to what we figured. Yeah, I feel like the week leading up to it, I was super nervous, very anxious, triple planning, oh my gosh, like freaking out. And then we get there, and they were like, Head on in. Yeah, even myself, whenever I pull up to a border crossing, I always get the nerves going. But then you realize it's not as bad as what you think it would be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, well, this might be hearsay, but apparently coming back from Mexico into America is where you're really going to get searched and it's really going to be, you know, a lot more intense. But going from the USA to Mexico, it's pretty easy. Yeah, because I think that the cops and everybody are worried about all the little different things because of all the rules in America, where here they're not worried about it as much because, if anything, they're shipping the stuff to America. Yeah, I don't think they're importing a lot of stuff from America. I think they're exporting most of those uh, goods that they might be looking for at the border. (laughs) But we are not experts on that, so let's not go into international uh, border treaties and whatever. But needless to say, we got through the border no problem. We made it to our first city. We had, guess what we had for our first meal in Mexico? You wouldn't believe it. It was pizza. But the pizza was made from a dude that was from Italy and has been living here in Ensenada for a little bit of time now. Well, not Ensenada, but uh, Rosarita? Yes, just north of Ensenada. And it was honestly some of the best pizza I've ever had. It was better than the pizza that we had in New York, and that's crazy to say. Oh, it was way better. And it, <laughs> I don't know about way. Way. You're getting carried away. No, I'm not. Yeah, you carried it away. It was so much better. Like, crazy better. So anyways, we were, you know, fiending for some food, and we were looking for tacos at the time. And the couple that we're traveling with, Wanderlust Travel Couple, they're both vegan. Well, I guess she's very vegan. He's kind of like Frankie vegan. Actually, he's less than me vegan. He'll he'll uh-huh. eat meat. He just won't eat pork. Oh, yeah. okay. But they try to do whatever they can to be more vegan and uh, be just more mindful of what they're eating. Right. Well, they did both eat the pizza, so, yeah. you know, we're getting on the vegetarian scale now. <laughs> but anyways, so it was so good, and we did find an amazing restaurant for vegan tacos. And actually, so far, we found a couple of really good vegan restaurants for tacos down here in Baja, which... I guess I'm not really surprised. It's definitely more in the bigger cities that you're going to find, like, a whole restaurant dedicated to vegan-vegetarian. But you are able to get vegetarian and vegan options even at, like, a roadside diner Mm -hmm. if you just know enough Spanish to be able to, like, ask for what you want. If you guys want to know more about our travels, specifically here in Baja, definitely jump onto the YouTube channel and you'll find them all there. Uh, we've already been to La Bufadora in Ensenada. That was really a cool experience and kind of a chilly one. Yeah, the whole Pacific coast was a lot colder than expected, but we found the heat since then. Right now we're standing in the van. It's getting up there in temperature. We're both sweating and feeling, you know, the heat, but, you know, it's the middle of the day, and honestly, the night last night got so cool, so fresh. The van cooled down so nicely. And I think that's the most important thing. Like, obviously, it's going to be hot at, like, 3 or 4 in the afternoon. But, like, if you can get the van cold at night and be comfortable to sleep and then keep it cold for the first couple of hours of the day, then you just head to the beach and have a great time. I want to give a quick shout-out to Zero Breeze, too, because it's really helped us during our travel in the nights that they stayed above 75 degrees. We threw that little Zero Breeze out the window, had the water leaking out into the sinks, so that way it goes directly out, and we were able to cool the back of the van where we're sleeping, and we have direct, like, cool air coming onto us, and it makes it just comfortable to sleep at night here. Yeah, it's been really good. Yeah. So we actually have a couple of things. We were thinking about putting a video together of, like, 
our top five things you need in a van to beat the summer heat. So I think that'll be coming out soon and the Zero Breeze will definitely be in there. But speaking of international travel, let's get talking to our guests. They've done a lot of travel that they like to do is international where they can't speak the language or they just have to learn as they go. And it's amazing to see how people thrive in these conditions. But Skip and Jazz have been now getting into their second van. They were in their other van for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. So almost two years in van life. Uh, they were traveling uh, he's a traveling PT, and she works online. So you're going to get to know a lot more about them. They're both amazing people, so let's jump right into this. We have some amazing guests today on our show. We have Skip and Jazz with us. They're well-traveled. They're awesome people. We love following them through Instagram. We have yet to meet in person. We can't wait for the day that that comes. But Skip and Jazz, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. What got you into van life? So... I am Skip. I'm a traveling physical therapist and Jazz works remote, but we have been nomads for four years. Um, we sold all our stuff in Kansas and took my first traveling physical therapy assignment in California about four years ago. And once the pandemic hit in 2020, um, the travel physical therapy market just crashed and there were no jobs or I mean, only like four or five jobs nationwide. So I wasn't going to be employed for the foreseeable future. And we had always dreamed of like having our own tiny home on wheels um, throughout our travel when we were using temporary housing. So we figured when the market crashed, it was as good as good as a time as any. So that's when we built our first camper van. That sounds amazing. I feel like a lot of people were kind of thrust into it, but it sounds like you at least already had a footing in like the nomad world. Do you think that that helped you at all to like transition to van life? Yeah, I think it definitely helped us, um, especially with just like from a belongings perspective because we had been tearing down our belongings every time we came home for the first two years of travel so we didn't really have a whole lot of stuff when we started van life anyway and um, we had been traveling just with what could fit in our Toyota Camry for the two years prior so I think we definitely had a leg up in that aspect. So I'm going to start with you Skip because I want to know more about the traveling nursing, the traveling physical therapy, uh, but then I'm also going to get to you Jazz about what you do because you, you said that she worked from home, uh, but I want to know more about how you find jobs as a travel traveling physical therapist. So there's a couple different ways, but I mean, you can kind of like seek them out on your own. But I don't even really know how that all works. And it sounds like a lot more work than what I do. But I basically just go through staffing agencies that have recruiters. Um, and you practically just ask them to send you jobs in the states that you're interested in taking a job. So they basically just email you a list of jobs. And you say, hey, can you tell me more about job X, Y, and Z? And if it still sounds interesting, then they submit your profile and resume over and if they like what they see, they give you a call for the interview. So it's really a, I mean, I've been doing it for so long that it's really simple, but there are more steps than that, but it's really not all that complicated. That sounds great. Uh, is the pay better as well as like how long are the contracts normally when you go and stay in these specific states? Yeah. So the pay is significantly better. I don't know the exact statistic, but I want to say it's like 30% better. We don't get paid as much as travel nurses, but we still get paid really good money. So the most typical contract length is 13 weeks, so about three months at a time. But they can be from three to six months, most typically. Um, we have commitment issues, so we only take three months maximum, usually. Um, but I have worked contracts as, as short as six weeks as well. So it just kind of depends on what the facility needs, but most often three to six months. And we always say it's financially irresponsible to not do travel physical therapy <laughs> because he gets like, he makes a crap ton more money and he has more control over his schedule. So for instance, if he was like a perm staff, you'd only get like two to maybe two to four weeks off a year. But with this, you work three months and then you can take however long off you want in between. So um, it just gives you a lot more control over your, like your schedule, your and life. And, yeah. And time off. That's amazing. And now what do you do, Jazz? Yeah. So funny question or great question, I should say, because um, I recently I was working for um, real estate investors and I actually just left the job because there were some um, fishy things or unethical things happening and I just didn't feel comfortable staying anymore. So I just left that job and 
we are going to be traveling to um, like Europe this summer. And so I think I'm just going to wait to work until we get back. But um, before that, I was in finance. I've done like virtual assistant jobs and like digital marketing jobs, kind of like basically contracts work. But uh, my most recent job when I was there for about a year and a half, um, when I was working for real estate investors and just recently left that job. That sounds awesome. So basically, you were kind of like working on the computer wherever you guys were kind of stationed for the PT jobs. So how was that like, you know, working in the van full time? Yeah, it was great. I love to be home. Like, I love to travel. I love to be home. And like, and so Venus is like the perfect world for me because I can be home, but also explore at the same time. And while Skip's at work, I mean, like, get to do my own thing and get work done. And then when he's off work or on the weekends, we just go explore. So it was kind of the best of both worlds for me. That definitely sounds like a really good balance. And then it lets you you know, do all that exploring while you still have the full-time job and not just like exploring in the one town where your house is because your house is constantly moving. So you get kind of like the best of both worlds. The, yes, thing that, exactly. the other thing that is uh, very noticeable to me is that you both still have your full-time jobs in a sense uh, where you actually have time apart from one another, which is one of the biggest topics that people ask is like, how do you deal with, you know, always being together all the time? And the fact that, you know, Skip is going to a job, gives you time alone. Do you utilize that time for like self-care as well? Yeah, definitely. But it's also funny because people always ask that or ask that question to us as well. Like, you know, how do you spend so much time together? Or I could never be with my significant other in 60 square feet. And for us, we like, I mean, we're best friends and we hang out all the time. Even when he does go to work like on this contract, he calls me or we like talk over lunch break. And then we talk on his way home. Like we just, we, we love to hang out with each other. So it's not really that big of a deal. Like we're ready for him to be off contract so we can hang out more, I guess. Yeah. We won't, uh, after getting a taste of full-time van life, we're ready to be living full-time van life again. I love that. And I find that so cute that like you guys found your person, you know, I feel like Alex and I feel the same exact way. We love being around each other. That's why it's easy to live 24 seven together, you know, full-time van life in it. Uh, all yeah. of our stuff is fully online uh, and we have our business together, FNA van life, you know, the podcast, all this <laughs> stuff. So yeah, it's a blessing to be able to be around your partner that you want to be around all the people out there that say, Oh, how do you do that? I would, you know, kill my significant other or whatever. Sometimes I'm like, maybe you should really think about what you just said. Yeah, I, think so. <laughs> I agree. I agree. We were friends for like five years before we ever started dating too. So I think we just have a good foundation of like yeah. genuinely enjoying hanging out with each other. That's awesome. So you were friends for five years and then dating for four years. And now you've been married for three years. Correct. Wow. You have a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> We read the post. We read the post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we met when we were, we were, he was actually like my first college friend. We met at freshman orientation. And then uh, we just stayed friends. I I actually transferred after my freshman year to go play volleyball. And then we just, but it was only like 30, 20 or 30 minutes away. So like on the weekends, we would still like stay in touch or um, where he went to college is my hometown. So I would always be back to like, visit family and stuff and um and then one time we went to spring break together and then then we were like <laughs> wait we actually kind of like each other yeah the, rest of the, the sparks were flying on college break <laughs> on spring break yeah. i love that um so it sounds like you played collegiate volleyball yeah i did that's awesome uh do you play any other sports are there like hobbies that you guys love to do uh when you're out van life in it full time Oh, we love beach volleyball. We like, we always try to find some like, like a community wherever we're at to play on the weekends and stuff. Um, we also love spike ball. So yeah. if we meet up with you guys, we're definitely playing spike ball. Yeah, yeah we like to set them down. Good, good. A lot of people, if they don't play, like if they don't like to play sports, they're hesitant. But it's a game that anybody like you can make it fun as long as you like just try your like just yeah. try and have fun with it. It's you can have a good time. So. Yeah, we like yeah as somebody who doesn't people. really enjoy sports, 
spike ball was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I love sports. Like I'll play any sport. So like beach volleyball, I'm down. Spike ball, I'm down. I'm down to throw a frisbee or if play. If there's baseball. a ball involved, the Frank's in. <laughs> Basketball, sign me up, you know, whatever it is, I'm down. Good. Yeah, that's that's how we are too. Sweet. So why don't you guys tell us? Like right now, we're watching your Instagram, and it's all about build number two. How is that going? And we had some technical difficulties, but I don't think that we've talked in this recording about how you got into the second van and why you got out of your first van. Yeah. So um, our first van was a one thirty six inch wheelbase or a ProMaster, and um, and we built that two years ago and recently just sold it. And now we are building a 159-inch wheelbase ProMaster. So it's about two feet longer. And the only reason we really sold was, you know, the van market was pretty, you know, really hot right now. And uh, Skip's parents' neighbor um, was going to build out his van that we just bought and decided it was going to be too much work. And so over the years, we've kind of been, or over the last two years, we've been asking him like every probably six months like do you want to sell like you know trying to negotiate price or whatever and um I think he was finally like yeah I don't think I'm ever going to build this so we bought it from him and we are we've gotten started on the new build and this build has been so much like I don't want to say easy but it's been um a more like a better less process stressful. less yeah less stressful because we've already built the van and or built one van previously and when we built our first van we had literally zero experience, didn't know, like had barely used an electric screwdriver, didn't know like what a circular saw was, didn't yeah. know anything about Didn't know like, which types of screws to buy. Yeah. Like the, I, we always laughed the first time we, like the very first project we were doing, we went to like the local hardware store and we bought like five screws because that's what we thought we need. Like we were like, well, this project just takes five screws instead of buying like a whole box of them. And we were like counting, you know, like we just knew absolutely nothing. So shout out to YouTube University. But um, so this build is like, we're, we're, we're feeling good about, you know, the way it's going. I love that you thought you could build the whole thing with five screws. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had just, we had just bought enough for the project that we had. It was actually like 60 screws. Uh, but, that, that's definitely yeah. enough. I yeah, like that way I don't pull off. That's funny. Well, I feel like everybody's kind of in that same boat. The first build is always like, a learning experience. Most people have no experience with construction, electrical, plumbing, like all of the things that you kind of need to become a master at. So do you think that this second build is going to be kind of like the first build 2.0? Like, is it kind of the same layout? Are you doing a lot of improvements? Like, you know, different quality stuff? Like what is, you know, your van round two? What are kind of the things that you're you're changing since the first build? I'd say the biggest distinction between our first and second build is we had the convertible dinette in our first one. Um, just because we couldn't, the 136 is so small that we just couldn't really see the the fixed bed working for us. But in our second build, since we have the 159, we're doing a fixed bed and we're really, really looking forward to having a garage space just so it's a little easier to be full time because um, we didn't have quite enough storage. and bev our 136 inch completely different layout um even though we haven't exactly decided on our layout we're still finalizing those details um but we definitely need to build in space for our puppy honey that we she we got her after we bought the van so it was like we had had enough space in our first van for the two of us but then once you added another body um it got tight real quick so we're gonna be building the honey hive or the beehive for honeybee. Um, so that would be the second major distinction. And then can you think of anything yeah, else? Yeah, so uh, we also, so the first build, I learned our electrical system or I, I did our electrical system mm. and it takes up a lot of space. And also I remember being like, we were probably 75% done with the build. And I, I got to a point with the electrical system that I was like, I don't know how to complete this. Like, what are we going to do? We have this van I, I've been asking all these people and I can't figure out how to get these pieces together. And um, I learned so, so much from it. But, and so I'm very thankful for that. And, but this build, we're going to go the simple route. And I think we're going to do a big power station 
well, I know we are, we because we already bought it, but we're going to do a big power station instead of doing like the lithium batteries and the MPPT charger and all that jazz. Yeah, we have friends who have that same setup too. Um, Crux and Beta, they have just like the yeah. big, you know, like the biggest Yeti or whatever that you could buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have everything plugged into that and it works really well for them. So that's definitely a really good way to build your electrical system in a simple way. Yeah, you build it not only in a simple way, but also in a way where everything is together. Uh, so it's a much smaller system like you were talking about. It's saving a lot of space. And it still hooks up the solar panels. You can still hook it up to a DC to DC charger, depending on like the information that you get and the type of one that you buy. Yeah, exactly. And I I don't understand why it's not like a big power station isn't more talked about because if somebody wants to get on the road like that, by the time you put all the effort and spend all the money on all the parts of a DIY system, if you don't know what you're doing at the beginning, it's like you might as well go with the big power station. And I guess we'll see how it goes and maybe my opinion will change. Come back to that to see how I feel after we use it. But I don't I don't see why it's not talked about more. The we were talking to uh Trent and Allie not that long ago when we were at this uh Moonfab meetup and they were talking about the battery systems that are power stations like that, uh not being as good of performance as they are today. So I think just time has passed where they've been able to create a better way to store energy. And I think that's the reason why, like now we have the technology that allows us to be able to use these type of battery banks. And it just makes it more efficient. They make them way more efficient now where I think that you'll start hearing a lot more chatter about them here shortly. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Which on that note, just generally, I cannot believe how much more, how many more resources there are building the second time around online than our first time so many youtube channels with like tutorials and which is great just yeah it's just crazy i just i feel like i was digging deep to find information the first time and now it's just like on the first page of google like everything i need to know yeah i agree 100 percent with you i mean when we first got into the lifestyle back in 2019 we were building our van i think it was june of 2019 we started building and same thing we there was very few resources like to the point where we kind of just had to figure it out on our own. And mm-hmm. during that process, you know, we were filming our stuff as well, which gave another source, which then other people probably felt the same way. And they're like, well, I'm going to record my build and so on and so forth. And, and now, now there's like a hundred videos, a thousand videos it, about how to install your Max Air fan. I yeah. say at least a thousand. <laughs> Minimum. But what's amazing about that is it gives you more opportunity to understand how you want to build your rig specifically and it still is so amazing how unique each one is. It's great. It's like, and as you are building or whatever, you can really customize it and find other people that kind of have similar like values or needs or wants in your build and think like, oh, this would be, this would work really well for me. Or I think I would use this a lot. And um, I think we found that with the second build too, which is why we haven't decided on a layout. It's like, there's so many options out there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of options, I want to know what you guys are going to do about a water system. I know a lot of people go with these smaller jug containers and have like 20-something gallons of water. Other people like ourselves like that. We have a 40-gallon water tank. Uh, are you guys? What are you guys doing for your water situation? Good question. Um, we're not 100% sure yet, but I don't think we want to dedicate the footprint to like a massive water tank. But I th- So I think we're going to do the jerry cans, and then I think, I think we're going to do a foot pump. Or what, nice. is that what they're called? Like yeah, the manual foot pump instead of the like the SureFlow water pump and the silencer kit and stuff like that. We just we have that in Bev. Um, so our first van is called Bev. So if I say that, I'm talking about the van. But uh, so we had the SureFlow, the automatic water pump and stuff, and we just found that we wasted a lot more water, and there was mm. always leaks. And or just mm. not always leaks. I shouldn't say that, but we were just constantly dealing with, you know, like I feel like we were constantly dealing with our water system. And then we, when we did some renovations, we switched to a, um, what's it called? Well, like a USB pump, like one you would just put on the top of a yeah. five gallon water tank. Yeah, and we just saved. We could go like two weeks without filling up, and um, and it was just very like good for our needs. And we also don't really do a whole lot of like fancy cooking or anything like that, so. Maybe if you cooked a lot, you would maybe want, I could see how like a SureFlow water pump would be better. But um, for us, it was, it worked. 
I think the simpler you go, the better, because it's just less things that you could have in your van that you're driving around that is basically in an earthquake every single day. The moment you drive, uh, it's just less things to break. Exactly. Yeah. We have uh, quite a few friends that use the foot pump and they seem to love it. And you could create quite a bit of pressure with them too. So it's not like that you're lacking pressure in your water. It's just that you'll get a little bit of a workout. You might get bigger calves or something. (laughs) There we go. Dual purpose. So you guys mentioned that you're going to be traveling in Europe here shortly. So, you know, is that like a break from the van build? Are you just, you know, what's your plans for those adventures? We've just been dying to go abroad since 2020. Like, you know, since the pandemic hit, like we're, we love international travel, which I feel like not everybody does, but that's just something that we, we love to go somewhere where we don't know anybody or how to get around or, you know, where you just kind of have to figure everything out and you're exposed to a completely different culture. So um, there's this event called Yacht Week that we've been dreaming about since our first time we went to Croatia in 2017. And we heard that a bunch of our travel nurse friends were going. So literally like 30 to 40 of them. Yeah, it's crazy. We were like, okay, I guess this is our time to go to Yacht Week. So that's what prompted the trip to Europe. And then we were like, well, we've been dying to go abroad forever. So now we're going to, I think, go for six or seven weeks. Yeah. So we have a one-way ticket book. Yeah. And when we, uh, right after we got married, our honeymoon, we backpacked through Southeast Asia for nine weeks. And so... We're kind of looking to do that again. So we're just going to like ho- go to like stay in hostels and bounce around and try to travel as cheap as we can or budget friendly as we can and see how long. I don't know. I guess you will we'll have to come back in September. But yeah, as for right now, we have a one way ticket. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yacht week. Oh, my gosh. So basically <laughs> all of your friends have rented a yacht together. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like a big event every year. and There's like several weeks that it, I mean, I think it goes on all summer. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But for, like, don't you need the boat to get to the party? Like, I've heard yeah. like I have friends who've done it before. And like, basically, you just like you you and your buddies, like, you know, rent a yacht and their crew and everything. And then you just live on the yacht for however long. Yeah, you have like a skipper and a host and like all these boats basically travel around Croatia together by boat. And I guess you make stops and like hang out on an island for a day and then Honestly, I don't, we don't really know it's always been on our bucket list we've had people that go they say it's a blast so we're gonna go we're gonna go for ourselves heck yeah when you were selling the first van because i know a lot of people right now are trying to sell rigs and a lot of people are having some issues did your vehicle sell really fast um, so when we first put it on the market, we were in Seaside, Oregon, and it was, we got a lot of, we probably got one or two like serious buyers a week for about three or four weeks. Um, a lot of people, they would say, I'm really, really interested. I have to get financing. And then they would have trouble with the banks. Um, the banks wouldn't like um, quote it or at the price that we were asking, basically. Well, they, were, they would give them enough money to buy the van but not the not bill, the bill basically yeah and mm-hmm. so then which was which was fine we were just like let's just see if we can sell it up here if not that's fine and then we put it on the market in LA and we had a buyer the next day which wow. yeah in hindsight I'm like that probably means we didn't uh our price was too low but I you know I feel I didn't want to like overprice it or take advantage of the market and stuff and I'm like it is a DIY build and I feel I feel like this is a fair price for both parties. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, once we listed it in LA, we had a buyer. We FaceTimed with her, and then she saw it in person a couple weeks later. And then yeah, had the van. I love and the she, fact that you yeah. you guys had like this moral um, you know process that you went through of like I don't want to overprice it just because the market's mm-hmm. high. You know, when uh, we yeah. sold our first van, we felt the same exact way. You know, we probably could have got more for it. But we brought our price down just because we knew the issues that the vehicle had. We yeah, knew exactly. that we didn't want to overprice it for somebody just so they could make these repairs with, you know, with the extra money that they could save from buying that vehicle specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, I feel like it was like it only had like 60,000 miles on it. Um, yeah, still got a lot of life. Yeah, it was no issues that we'd never had any issues with the like any mechanical issues. Um, I think probably deep down, I think I was self-conscious about the electrical system, even though we never had issues with it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just was like, 
I just felt bad. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I totally get it. Now, it's, I, I think it's really nice of you guys to actually have that moral uh, concept happen because a lot of people don't have that. And that is actually why the market is probably so high today because of the mm-hmm. demand. And people are like, you know what? You have all these builders who've never even lived in a van. Uh, they just build them and then they drive the market up in price, which helps the DIYers. But at the same time, you know, what kind of quality build is everybody getting? Right. Yeah, right. True. And there's some horror stories of people getting really bad builds from even like these builders that have never lived in a van or just like trying to rapid fire builds, which is sad. Yeah. I mean, we've heard stories about people who like bought professionally, like they brought their empty van to a professional builder. Frank's doing air quotes. (laughs) And their build was just like a piece of junk falling apart. Like every time they would take a hard corner, the like top cabinet would separate from the wall. Yeah, and basically, I can't the, imagine. Yeah, and basically, the people that uh, they bought it from, they start to have a conversation with, and then they go to sue them, and then they, you know, they pay them a little bit of money and say, "Now sign this NDA, so you can't talk about it." And then somebody else goes and buys a vehicle from that person, and so on and oh so forth. God. And it's just a horrible thing that happens out there. And the other thing about having somebody, this is kind of a side note, but the other thing about having somebody else build the van for you, I'm not like not to hate on it or anything, but I feel like when you live in a van, it's constantly like improving things or fixing things just because like you said, you're, you're putting your home through an earthquake. So understanding how things are put together, how, how things are built is really, really helpful on the road. Yeah, especially if you're going to be a full-timer. Like, if you're a part-timer, you could then wait for the shop. You know, you could wait for the person to be able to fix it. But when you're a full-timer and it's your life and it's your home, you have to be able to fix things on the fly. I can't tell you how many things that, you know, at least once a month, something comes up that I have to fix or something breaks because we leaned on it too hard. Hey, hey, Whatever it is, that we just (laughs) had that happen. That's why Alex said, hey, hey, hey. But, you know, it's, it's definitely one of those things. You just need to, you need to be ready to be handy. You need to be ready yes. to just, like, get your hands dirty, fix the things as they come up. Van life is not an easy lifestyle. You know, it's beautiful, it's fun, it's rewarding, but it's also hard work. Yeah, definitely. We couldn't agree more. And it's so worth it, you know? It's like, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but like you said, it, it is hard work. What do you think is something that people, you know, who are just looking at van life, through the lens of like Instagram or Pinterest or whatever, what do you think is something that they're not getting, you know, from that whole picture or what are they missing when they're only looking at the beautiful pictures? I think kind of like what we were just talking about, like you're going to hit, you're going to hit obstacles all the time, but it's almost part of the journey. Like even just as beautiful as some of like the beautiful scenery you have is like the stuff that you learn from, the moments where you hit those lows, like where you have decision fatigue or travel exhaustion, or you're like, I don't know if I can look up one more campsite or oh. one more place to fill my water. But then it's like something funny ends up happening and it ends up being like one of your favorite memories that have happened ever. Like yeah. I'm trying to rack my brain for something specific that we've been through. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think you said this, but like decision fatigue, you're constantly, if you're full time, you're figuring out where to get water, where to sleep that night, like where to get grocery stores because you're probably in a new city. And it, you, everything you have to put into your G- GPS and it's all fine, but it's just over time, I think that you have to remember to maybe take breaks or go to familiar places so that those, those inconveniences don't wear on you or, or where to find a bathroom. I mean, even if you have a toilet in your van, you probably don't use it every single time because that means you have to dump it or clean it even more. That's the essence of a true van lifer right there. (laughs) I need my toilet to last as long as possible. (laughs) Something else I'd say is uh, like lack of community can be really hard. Like we're both very much people people. And, you know, it's really easy to find people through Instagram and stuff, but you're also going to have those moments where it does feel a little lonely on the road. Um, But also I feel like it's important to have those moments because that's where you really learn more about yourself and I guess can really dig deep in. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like that's where you learn about yourself and then that's where you learn about if you're traveling with someone. Yeah. How you and your partner communicate. How is it when things get hard? How is it when you have to, you know, like figure out something not like life threatening, but like drastic or, you know, like something urgent, like, 
how are you guys in conflict? How are you guys, you know, at just like dealing with the things that life is going to throw at you? And I feel like when you're in a van, life can throw things pretty fast and pretty hard, you know? Yeah. And you can't just run, you can't just go to the other room and <laughs> each other, you know, like we, we laugh at people that sometimes one of us would go to the front seat. And, 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 and well, no, I would go to the front seat and I would close the curtain. So you guys seem like you have a wonderful relationship with one another. What are the, th- what are some of the things that you do to keep the relationship the way it is when you're in a small space? Um, I would say communication, like there's no, like, um, letting things build up. I would say if something's bothering you or if, if maybe one of us said something that hurt each, you know, like hurt each other's feelings, obviously unintentional or anything but just you have to talk about your feelings and you can't let it build up and build up resentment and stuff and I think that over the years of us traveling together and just being together 24 7 you we have our communication has gotten like better and better and better over the years um and I don't know what what would you say I just think like you said so this is how I like to say it jazz thinks it's I don't really like how it sounds, but I'm like, you have to be active aggressive. You can't be passive aggressive <laughs> because if you're just passive aggressive all the time, like blowups are always going to happen. So you just have to address what is bothering you immediately instead of just like tiptoeing around it. So then, you know, we can respect each other and start to change it because those, those small little things that you're doing, you know, we're, we're always seeing what the other person is doing. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. And, and another part of that, I think is like focusing on how like we can grow individually. Cause I know when we first started dating, I was awful at holding a grudge. And now I'm like, what, I, like, I just, things don't bother me like they used to. And I don't know if that's just like maturing and getting older and stuff, but um, just, you know, kind of like looking inward and just saying like, instead of blaming the other person, just saying, what can I do better? Like, how can I help the situation so that an argument or something like that doesn't happen in the future? Or how can we like grow from this experience? I think that's totally growth and understanding yourself and life more and just being able to um, take a step back because it is always yourself. You know, it's never really the other person. Sometimes it can be, but most of the time, it's something that we're struggling with individually, at least from what I've noticed. And I think Alex feels the same way. So one thing we always try to do is like take our own feelings out of it and try to look at it from like an outsider's perspective. Yeah, Yeah. like I feel like usually it's like (laughs) I'm hungry or I'm tired or, you know, I'm frustrated about something or whatever. And then you just end up taking it out on the other person. So it's kind of like you really need to look into yourself and be like, okay, what do I need right now for my own self-care? Because that thing that the other person did probably isn't that big of a deal. If I mm-hmm. just had a sandwich, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> oh, bi- that's the biggest tip of living with your partner in a van is do not get hangry. That's what I was <laughs> Eat food. Yeah. <laughs> Usually if, if I'm pissed about something, it's that I haven't eaten in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I've gotten that. to the point yeah I've gotten to the point where I'm just if I know that he's hangry I'm just like I'm just gonna like remove myself from the situation because and I'm like can you work on it can you work on not getting so hangry and it's just like it's just it is what it is <laughs> yeah I I think the way to my happiness is through my belly for sure and uh Alex is very good at uh keeping up with my my hunger because I have a lot of it. I eat the most out of the two of us for sure. The, who eats more out of the two of you? Oh, definitely me. I'm a big old foodie. <laughs> I love snacks. <laughs> so does that mean uh, that you get hangry more too as well? Oh yeah, all the time. What we need is some like neither neither of us really enjoy cooking, and I feel like everybody else has a, like one of the two likes to cook or is a good cook, and we're just. It's something that we're trying, we're trying to change our perspective and our mindset and our relationship with cooking because we want to eat healthy food. We want to like nourish our body and stuff. And it's so easy to eat unhealthy and we don't, we, so it's like kind of a goal of ours to start changing our habits of like. We don't even really eat unhealthy. We just eat easy things all the time. So it gets old really quick. Yeah. Yeah. So 
if you have advice for anybody out there that's about to get into the lifestyle, whether they're solo or a couple, like what are some of the things that you would advise to them? Um, in three words would be do it afraid. Yeah, that's kind of our mantra. Um, and for really any realm of life, like if something is scary and exciting, you should probably do it because like growth is on the other side and you're going to become a better person and a more well-versed person if you do those things that are scary for you. And if you have any inkling to try it, if you don't, I feel like, and like you can always try it and then go back to your, like to what you're doing right now, if you don't like it. But if you don't ever leave what you're doing, if you have that feeling, you're going to live with that desire and for the rest of your life. So you might as well try it. And there are different ways, you know, you don't have to necessarily get a van. You could like car camp or be part-time or, you know, be weekend travelers or whatever, but exploring. Yeah. Yeah. But exploring and adventuring is just, I don't know. I just, it's so much more valuable or important to us than like making a whole, like a lot of money or like having a big house or whatever. So. So we basically use fear as a compass nowadays. Yeah. I think we're totally in the same boat that it's just like, so beautiful to be able to see all of these different places even if you never leave america even if you're just traveling in your own state or in your own backyard you're always going to get to new places that you haven't seen before or even just haven't experienced in kind of like a deeper way i feel like one of the nice things about living in a van is that you know a lot of times you don't have a time limit so say you get to a town or an area that you really love you could just like hunker down and really deeply explore that area for a long time. Whereas I feel like, you know, a lot of people, you know, in the normal life, you have a one week vacation, you get to look forward to all year long. And then you have to like rush to try to see everything in a week. And then you're exhausted from trying to do it all. And it's not really like you, I don't know, you can never like really get to know a place unless you spend a significant amount of time there and i agree with yeah. you guys the sense of like if it's scary but also exciting explore it because you'll come out a better person for instance you know we're in mexico right now we're in baja a lot of people were scared of us traveling to mexico and eventually we're going to be going to mainland mexico and all the way down to panama over the next nine months but we got here expecting kind of things to be you know a little bit scary or you know maybe not everybody's you know, right there to help you. But if anything, it's been more that. And we've been, we felt more comfortable than even when we were traveling in the United States. Everybody out here seems to be here to help you. We even got in such a crazy situation that we thought we were going to lose our van and the locals ran out to help us. Wow. That's awesome. I know. I feel like there's, there's so much like fear or media fear that, um, that's like present and our, the world is scary. Yeah, the world is. You should never go anywhere else. And it's crazy when you actually go experience it. It's like, oh, wait, this isn't actually as scary as people told me it was. Yeah, it makes me think about my own backyard. You know, growing up in Brooklyn, New York, I grew up between like a, you know, suburb area as well as the projects and living in the projects. There were definitely streets I didn't want to walk down. You know, I just I stayed away from those streets. But and especially at night. So it's like kind of understanding where you shouldn't necessarily travel in certain places um is i think one of the biggest things that you could do whenever you're traveling is just kind of stay away from the the areas that are like seriously marked to be you know not great but if they're marked as like maybe you should be fine right <laughs> right right and that's everywhere it's in america you know it's in the u.s Kansas and it's City. yeah it's it's yeah, no matter where you're at, you just have to be careful, you know, and be safe and listen to your gut. If something doesn't feel right, then obviously don't do it. But usually it's it's going to be okay. Are there any places that you guys have traveled uh, that was kind of marked as, you know, uh, a place that is dangerous? Uh, and how did that turn out for you? Um, I don't know if like, I mean, when we went to Southeast Asia, our family was like, don't go. We are you know there are snakes over there yeah, there are snakes in the road I'm, i think my grandma said i'm like there are snakes in the road in kansas <laughs> yeah. like I yeah think we'll survive. yeah um you know when we went to like bali or thailand it was like you know the police are gonna haggle you or you know pull you over and make you like pay you're gonna have to bribe them to get out of any you know they're gonna pull you over for no reason and you're, then you're gonna have to bribe them and that never happened 
I mean, even for our Europe trip right now, our, our parents are kind of like scared for us to go, but you just kind of have to. But to answer your question, I not, nothing comes to mind that like, mm-hmm. but we're like, I don't want to say like oblivious is the word, but like we are thoughtfully spontaneous. So it's like, we'll kind of just go into situations and find out for ourselves versus taking somebody else's word for it. Like you said, obviously we'll steer clear of like the really dangerous areas, but we're pretty open to figuring things out. Yeah, I think we're in the same boat. And I think too, it's always good to get advice from people who have actually been there rather than people who have just heard about it on the news or read about it in a newspaper or whatever. Like actually talking to people who've been there, who've experienced it, who live there, who know more about it from being there. That's going to be your best source of information, not somebody who just heard that it might be dangerous. Right. Yeah, so what what are you guys excited about in kind of Bev 2.0? Are, do you have plans for travel? Are you, you know, getting ready for another stint of like more PT positions? Like what's kind of like the coming year got for you guys? Um, we're... Like I said, we're very, very excited to be full-time van lifers again. So I am going to try and do a remote job for a little while. Um, Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but healthcare workers are burnt out. So I am looking to do something different for a little while. And I love being a PT, but um, location freedom is everything for us. So even being in one place for a three-month contract is kind of wearing on us at this point. And we we would love to be more free than that. So once we get back from Europe, we're going to kind of get our ducks in a row, finish the build, and then be full-timing again. As and then I think we're going to go to Baja over the winter. You Well, we yeah. might see you guys on the tail end on the way back up of our travels. I think we kind of decided that instead of taking mainland back up, we'll probably ferry back to Baja and kind of travel through here in the winter time when everybody else is down here. So maybe we'll get to play yeah. some spike ball or some volleyball <laughs> on the beach with you guys. Oh, that'd be oh, amazing. That would be, be awesome. I love that. Well, just to wrap things up, because I'm getting a little bit hangry myself. <laughs> uh, well, we really appreciate you guys being on the podcast. We're going to share you guys. Where can we find you on Instagram? Uh, yeah, we're on Instagram and um, TikTok as Skip and Jazz, S-K-I-P and J-A-Z-Z. And then oh, our website is skippingjazz.com. I got so my, my given name is Colin, but probably 50% of the people I know call me Colin and 50% of the people I know call me Skip. It just depends on what phase of life you met me in. Because my entire family calls me Skip and most people in my hometown call me Skip. It's like a nickname from my babyhood. And then I went to college and started, you know, I introduced myself to people as Colin because I don't know. I was in a new place. And so like my beginning of college friends call me Colin, but then there were a bunch of Collins later in college. So I became Skip again. So it's just, it's intermingled, I guess. (laughs) And then my name is Jasmine, but people call me Jazz. That's awesome. Well, the names are very fitting for you guys. I feel like that it's so much fun. Uh, You guys seem like just a blast to be around and we can't wait for the day that we actually get to hang out in person. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I love to hear these stories about couples that do well, that love each other, that care about communication and talking with one another. I think it's amazing that they're actually building their second van and want to travel full time as van lifers. Leaving that job behind, getting out there, really putting yourself into the moment. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I think it's really cool that they're doing it with a little bit of more traditional jobs. You know, a lot of people think that you get into van life and you have to create content and you have to figure out how to start a business and you have to figure out how to like brand yourself and blah, blah, blah. No, you don't. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You could literally just work a regular job and do it while you live in a van. Yeah. Sometimes service comes hard to find, but you'll always find it. If you need it, you'll figure it out. You could pay for it. You could find places anywhere in the Ooh, world. Ooh, well, now they have Starlink for RVs, too, which I think is going to be a game changer. We actually, if we were still in the United States when this had been announced, we might have jumped on it and just ordered it right away because I think it's only 120 bucks a month, which, you know, we just switched from Verizon to T-Mobile for this whole travel, um, for cost and things like that, and, like, usability while we're down here. Um, but so basically the money that we're saving... 
between Verizon and T-Mobile could have paid for a whole Starlink system. Yeah, and honestly, if we had the opportunity, we could get it down here, but then we would have to make a whole setup, possibly drill, drill out of the van. It would just be a whole ordeal well, and we in don't the even, heat. Yeah, and we don't know how to get anything shipped down here right now, so we haven't figured that out. We'll definitely, you know, when we cross that bridge, we'll let you guys know how to do that as well, because... I think that's something that people worry about all the time is how you get mail on the road. Mm-hmm. Which there are several ways to do it here. We just have not tried yet due to the fact that we don't want to stop. We want to keep moving. We have to be in Panama within nine months. Uh, actually, probably more within like four because we need to make it all the way back up to the United States before our nine-month mark. Can you believe? I feel like this is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Like trying to do the whole way to Panama and back in nine months. Yeah, we're going to miss a lot, I feel like. But... It, because of your visa and because I want to get back snowboarding, we have obligations that we want to meet, and we're going to make that happen. And I was reading in a Facebook group the other day about a, two people. They did it in like a month. Obviously, you'd be driving like the entire time. But so I think, you know, we're finding that healthy balance between like doing it so wicked fast that you can't enjoy it and then really being able to luxuriate and do it as long as you want. Yeah, and what's wild to me to think is that we are about two-thirds of the way down through Baja, and which means we're almost two-thirds of the way through Mexico. So we only have about three days of a drive to even be in Costa Rica. Yeah, Mexico is the, by far the biggest country landmass-wise. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting to kind of almost be at the point where we're going to be shipping our van to mainland and then continuing south. So if you guys want to join us for this adventure, be just sure to stay tuned here on the podcast, subscribe, give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts, and then come on over and find us on the YouTube channel because that's where you're going to see all the adventures unfold. We do our best to make the videos fun and entertaining and moving quick and giving tons of information and value. So hopefully you will join us over on the YouTube and enjoy the adventure. One thing that I find amazing about the YouTube channel that you don't get here on the podcast is you'll actually meet the people that we meet along the road uh, that are just super random strangers that wind up either helping us out or showing us just an amazing time. And it just shows you that people out in the world are truly friendly. You know, don't listen to the news. Don't listen to the crap out there. Find the positive things in your life. Find the positive people like ourselves and watch that type of stuff because you know what? It's going to elevate your mood and you're going to get out and do it yourself too. So we hope that you guys do get out and do it, do anything, do whatever you want, do whatever feels good, but make it an FNA day. Hey, everybody knows it's true, Band Life YouTube channel, what they do, everybody's got to get money, everybody's about to get money, make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life, all that.